Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there listening around, welcome back. This is episode 98. We're getting up there of the Portland Real Estate Podcast, and I'm back this week with my co-host, Mr. Steve Nassar. What's up, Steve-O? Hey there. I am back. We are back. I think we got a show without me on it. That was the first. Yeah, I cheated on you. I did one without <laughs> you. No, that's all good. That's all good. The only thing I'm worried about is our numbers getting up there, and we got we to gotta come up with our 100-game plan. We do. We do. I figured this, uh, we'd still have enough time to game plan for a hundred, even if I put one out. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll make it number 96 and a half, but, uh, I figured, you know, 97 is fine. You so. know, what, what else is coming up? Tucker is block party. When is, it is that is. end of July? It is. Maybe that'll be after the hundred. That would be cool. Um, I, I know I just got tickets from standard, they delivered me some tickets for it, so uh, standard TV and appliance. So yeah, I will be there. Bill Shonley hand delivered them to you. He did. He did. <laughs> in his blazer boy, he even said Rip City when he dropped them off for me. So, <laughs> do you know he has a table at Oswego Grill? You ever seen that? No, he does. I did not know that. Yeah, when you go, you ever go to Oswego Grill? I have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the bar there, there's a table and there's a big stamp on it that says "Reserved for Bill Shonley." That's now funny. you anyone can use it, but it, apparently when he goes in there, that's his special table. What's the uh, the commercial that he does now? It's something tile and marble, uh, or yeah, so, that he <clears> uses <throat> that uh, radio voice for. It's pretty. Yeah, yeah. Old Bill, uh, you know, interesting story. We weren't supposed to talk about this, but it, it came up. I was at an event last week, and I was talking to Adam Bjornson, who's on Coin Six News, right? Sports News. Oh yeah. And we were talking about Brasada. I just went golfing in Brasada, stayed there for about five, six days. And I was telling him it was awesome. And he was saying that's his favorite golf course. I'm like, no way. That's my favorite golf course in Oregon too. And, and he was like, yeah, that's the home course of Phil Knight. And I'm like, yes, that's what I always tell people. And I was like, you know, when I was there, I asked the guys, I said, hey, has Phil Knight been here around here lately? And they go, you know what? He's kind of tapering off on us. He was in here about six, seven months ago. And he wasn't looking so great. And I was like, yeah, he's getting up there. He's about 82 years old. I, I can see where you play a little bit less golf. 
And uh, Bjornsson was saying, you know, in the news world, we kind of have to start putting together the highlight reels of like people so that if, you know, something happens to somebody, as happened to Paul Allen, mind you, and he said they all were caught off guard by Paul Allen. Nobody was expecting it. So all of a sudden, you know, the 10 o'clock news is on or 11 o'clock, whatever time it is. And they didn't have anything for him. So he said he's been kind of working on, and Bill Shonley's name came up. He's like, he's, there's a few of these guys, Phil Knight, Bill Shonley, and, you know, we're just ready. We you know nobody wants it, and, and we hope it doesn't happen soon, but we just start kind of working on the uh, the highlight reel and, you know, some other info and bio and stuff. So anyway, what do you think of that? do their video obituary before people die. <laughs> they do. They do. I mean, if you recall, I mean, George Bush recently, you know, what, seven months ago, you get word that he's passed away and within hours, there's like hour specials, like everything about his life. Obviously they have to be ahead of the curve on that stuff or they can't wait till the, the minute it comes over the wire and then start trying to figure it out. So kind of an inside glimpse into the broadcast world that I was kind of picking up on. But what do we got for the show today, Tucker? Well, we got a couple things to talk about. We've got mayhem in Salem uh, yeah. and across the state, we'll call it. Uh, pr- probably the most divisive week in our state's history, I would say, or close to it. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I, as far it, as local stuff goes. Nationally. Well, I would even say it's, you know, we don't know because we're in Oregon, so we don't know what they're saying about us in Florida or Texas. I would imagine it's making some national news to have a state kind of ripped apart the way it is and... <laughs> Republicans fleeing the state with the with the state police chasing after them. I mean, it's crazy. That's nutsos. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember that happening here in my lifetime or yours probably. Um, no. So we got that going on. Weaved in with that, of course, is an interesting bill that we'll touch on, which is all about kind of creating the middle housing, we'll call it. And I've read up on it a fair bit. So have you. Uh, I'll give my thoughts. You can give yours. So that'll be uh, something to chat about for sure, in addition to just the general mayhem that's going on down there. But uh, we also have Market Action Report that came out a little earlier this month. You know, that's the, I guess, the details and the data behind what's really going on. But we'll dig into, um, you know, how we're feeling in terms of the market as well and see if that correlates with uh, the numbers that came out in the report. Yeah. Good but stuff. before before all that, maybe uh, get the world caught up on what's going on with you. It's been a little while since we've done a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my personal business is rocking and rolling. Very, very busy. Very happy about that. I've kind of been tapering off and stepping out of more of the day-to-day PPG stuff. You know, when I joined PPG five years ago, we had about 200 agents, and I was doing about a little over $25 million a year. Flash forward to today, we've got over a thousand agents and I'm doing, you know, somewhere in that 60 million a year range. So there comes a point where it's just a little bit too much on both sides. And, and, uh, last thing I want to do is, is drop a ball on either side. So I've, I've kind of made the decision to just focus more on my personal business and the company's hiring a couple full-time positions to kind of pick up some of the stuff that I was doing on the marketing side. And, and so that's been kind of happening in the last 30 days. I'm feeling really good about that. I'm excited to really focus on what what I know and love, and and that's just doing deals and putting my head down and kind of focusing on my personal business. In that thread, there's a uh, couple interesting things going on. I have a client who I connected with on a transaction about four months ago, and at the time, he told me he was a real estate investor. He had some stuff going on, and he said, I'm going to be selling some places and doing some 1031 exchanges. 
And sure enough, he's reached out to me in the last 60 days and he's got six properties. Two of them are currently, we're working on getting listed, doing some improvements on and getting on the market. Four more, all going through 1031 exchanges. We went in and met with Toya. You remember Toya? Oh yeah, how can I forget Toya? She's all of energy. She's actually a block away from me on Meadows Road. Went into her office, met with my clients. I recommended they use her. Had a great hour, sit down with her about strategy, timing. There's a lot that go into these 1031 exchanges and there's a lot of pressure. Fortunately, you know, they have a good game plan and, and we have the right people working on it. And so that's exciting. It's always nice when you have a client that has six properties to I was going to say, yeah, that's like BOGO times six, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I said, I told him I was going to have to buy him a toaster or something when all said and done for his frequent flyer <laughs> miles. Beyond that, I've got a new property. Honestly, I'm going to ask you about it on the air, Tucker, if you're interested, we should talk off the air, but I won't give the exact location, but I'll give you a little bit about it. So just late last week, a client reached out to me. He's the brother of a client. It's about an acre and a half. It's right around the Sylvan exit in Portland, real close in. It has a pretty decent house on it, but there's a lot of land there and it just got zoned to, I think it's R5, right? Where you can do 5,000 square foot lots in just the, the turn of the year, beginning of this year. I went and walked it. It's gently sloped. Some of the back lots have partial views. I floated it to Riverside, <laughs> who's kind of my primary. I've, I'm doing quite a bit with them. They they focus on Washington County. They'll do some Clackamas County. She kind of said, you know, we're, we try to stay out of Multnomah County, <laughs> which she jokingly said a lot of our peers comment on how we're probably <laughs> smart to do so. I know you have you do some Multnomah County. So th- they kind of passed on it. So I'm kind of shopping this thing around. There's a couple scenarios. The house goes down and you've got you know a, a big piece of land or the house stays and maybe there's room for townhomes, condos, or, or possibly some single family homes, maybe six, seven of them. Are you interested in a project like that, Tucker? And if so, we can talk more off the air. If not, maybe I'll put it out to our listeners and somebody can reach out to me if they... Well, how about this? We'll talk off the air. And if I say I can't do it or just whatever, then everybody else should reach out to you as well. And if okay. they're interested, they can. I, I would say that if the house stays, it's, you know, much, well, it just depends on how it's structured. But if that is the house in the middle of the lot or is no, it no. And my, my thoughts to him from my vantage point was I think the house stays. I walked the house. It's pretty nice. And it kind of blocks the freeway a little bit. The The freeway is not too far from it, but I think that's a good thing. And you could see further when, when we go meet with them, if you want to. So I think personally the house stays and I think there's a good six, seven lots with a street coming in. And I think those, I think those would be some pretty desirable properties, unless somebody was doing some townhomes or something though, that could also be an option. You ever done, you've done townhomes. Yeah. yeah. The only problem is if it's an R5 zoning, Chances are you're not going to be able to get townhomes in there because uh, they won't allow attached housing generally with an R5. Gotcha. Um, they've got to be a little bit higher density. So like an R2 or an R2 point, well, generally R2 is when you can do attached or shared wall housing. Um, gotcha. In most cases, there are yeah. weird caveats <clears throat> where that's not the case. But generally, you need an R2 zoning in order to do that. And that's uh, the last townhome project we did was an R2 zoning in Lake Oswego. Um, but yeah, it's sometimes when you're closer to the freeway like that, if you can get away with townhomes, it's a better price point to exit at but yeah if they've got good views and the road noise isn't bad and 
uh, it's not too sloping. That's a big thing these days is excavation costs are just atrocious. That, yeah. That's the it's one thing. It's not too sloping. It wasn't too bad. My seller's ready to meet out there. I think you ought to take a look at it. Right. So well, well, let's, we'll, let's take the, we'll shelf this conversation. We'll take it off air. But yes, yeah. I, would, uh, I would definitely take a look at it for sure. But it sounds like you've got quite a bit going on on the personal side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, um, with Riverside, we just opened up another subdivision. It's called Cluton Commons. It's over by Glencoe High School. There's 16 houses in there. Again, partnered with Jamie and Steve Alves on that one. We're they're almost done with a model home here in a couple weeks, and we'll now have two model homes we're manning. Um, one four days a week. The other will start out at seven days a week and probably eventually end up at five soon. Beyond that, mortgage rates are good. I mean, that's kind of. I mean, we're we're pretty busy. I mean, we're seeing mortgage rates are down to two year lows, which has been good for this year's market. Feeling pretty good. I'm pretty heavy on the listing side right now which is newish for me. I think it's a little bit because I've scaled back a lot of my Zillow. In the past, I had a lot of Zillow going and uh, that's pretty buyer heavy. I've scaled that back to to about, gosh, a fifth of what I had a year ago. And Are and you punishing when, Zillow? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I have going on. How about you? We're cruising along. We've got... Let's see. Today we were actually drywalling in our um, Dunthorpe project, so we're pretty excited about how that thing's turning out. We're getting siding up this week as well, so we're we're rounding the corner. We're expecting to be done with that thing sometime in September, um, hopefully. So we're gonna have a big party, probably a Portland real estate podcast party. Kick that off would be awesome. show, everybody. Um, I like there's it. There's whisperings that maybe the Blazers are trading for Kevin Love, and if that's the case. Maybe he'll be a buyer for this lovely house. When Don't it's sell it before it's done or the party might have some problems. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> we're going to have a party regardless. That'll be okay. But no, we're excited about how it's turning out. It's another house on the street that Mr. Harnish has listed just went pending for 3.6. So that definitely does good things for the street and just overall for Dunthorpe. So we're excited. It's a good time to put it out there. And I'm just excited that we're rounding the corner on that thing and getting ready to go. We've got another project that we're going to be actually closing on here shortly that's in first edition. It's an interesting project because we haven't built in first edition in a while. And honestly, I was a little bit weary of it because there was so much building activity going on there. And I noticed that people kind of stay there for like two to three years and then they sell. And I know this, uh, you've had a listing or two in first edition. Yeah. The past oh, yeah. It seems to be a little bit transitory for families. Uh, like they move in there. They think maybe that they, they like the walkability. And then they decide that they don't actually walk anywhere or they just want more space. And then they move somewhere else for whatever reason. So I was a little skittish on it for that reason. But there seems to be a constant influx of people that want to live there, um, especially mm -hmm. now that they're putting in a new brew house um, across uh, A Street. That uh, it's a weird business model. They say it's not for profit, which is kind of got me scratching my head a little bit. I don't know how that it happened. I've heard of inspectors that are not for profit, which I still don't understand either because yeah. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure they're they're taking money. Yeah, it's a weird. It's kind of almost like a gimmicky, yeah, weird thing. I don't I don't know what their this place's story is, but I've I've there was an inspector that was saying I'm a not for profit, and I'm like, what? Okay, I, I, yeah, but I don't get that. That doesn't make <clears> any sense. Anytime somebody says they're not for profit, money is what makes the world go round, especially when it comes to like food service. So I don't know what. I don't know <laughs> but either way, um, we've got a project that it's pretty cool. It's. The challenge is, is that uh, another builder built a house to the left of it, and there's an alley separating the two houses. And when they built the house to the left of it, 
in classic city fashion, I've tried to get an answer to this, but ever, nobody seems to have a real good answer. They raised the grade up on the alley about three feet. And so in doing so, they made their approach into their side load garage much flatter. But if our lot ever got built, we now have this big downhill slope into a garage, which, as you know, downhill slopes into garages kills marketability, right? Especially mm -hmm. when you're in the million plus price point. So what it's done is it's caused us to have to look at it from a, a rebuild. Downhill, Tucker, just real quick. I want to be clear here. So downhill into a garage is now I know uphill into a garage is is bad. Um, and when, when you have stairs up, but you're saying when you're kind of like almost like tunneling down into a garage. Yeah. Because it's kind of the same thing. You're probably going to have stairs up into the house, right? Yeah, and it's just kind of, it feels weird. Like, you know, imagine parking your car on a downward sloping driveway. Remember our our tall uh, appraiser friend who uh, yeah, had a house yeah, that had a very yeah. downward sloping driveway? Not the greatest driveway in the world, right? Uh, yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Something like that is what it would create. So it's caused us to look at it from a rebuild perspective, which ultimately i think is a better way to do this because we've got a little bigger footprint and what we get to do is we get to keep the garage on the front of the house and so one of the things about first edition is it's hard to keep the garage on the front of the house because the way that they want the garage is accessed is off the alleys if you build new so the design overlays require you to only access your garages off alleys unless you rebuild the house and in this case if we rebuild it we can keep a garage up front which now it feels like a normal house and we can also keep a backyard so even though I think first edition is kind of one of those transitory type neighborhoods with a lot of reseller activity going on. Uh, we're pretty excited about this project because I think it'll be much more desirable than most just based on these things. So we've been in kind of uh, brainstorming mode over the last week or so here to figure out how to make that work. And uh, I think we got a really good plan. It'll have master on the main and uh, it'll just it'll just be a really cool plan. So we're excited about that. We got a bunch of other stuff going on. We got one in uh, over off Washington Court that we're going to start breaking ground here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're in the middle of uh, getting everybody's lovely tree cutting comments, so um, I'm excited tomorrow. Where's I Washington get all those. Court? Uh, it's right off Boone's Ferry, so basically where the Zupans is there off Boone's oh. Ferry. Yeah, you just go a little Bryant. farther. What's that? Close to Bryant. Uh, yeah, you go past Bryant towards the freeway. And then you basically hang a right, um, right past where the city has their staging area for all the construction stuff. Yeah, like where Renaissance Homes is. Yeah, Isn't right it? past Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, right, pa right past there. Mm -hmm. You hang a right on Washington Court. You go down there a few blocks, and we're going to build a house there that um, uh, we're pretty excited about. We got the plans in. We just are in our two-week waiting period where we basically get to tell the you know tree lovers of the world all the trees we're cutting, and then they get to tell the city how much they hate us for cutting the trees, and then we get to see their letters that they write in, and then the city weighs the pros and cons of a new house and all of the economic development that comes with building versus people complaining that don't pay hardly any taxes at all. And then we decide that it's okay for us to build, and then we go on with our merry way. So that's where we're in the, the middle, you know, I guess, phase of that where we get to let everybody comment and then we get to move forward. So we're excited about it though. It's a cool house and um, we're going to be breaking ground here probably in a week or two. So we got, we got quite a bit going on um, beyond that bunch of other projects too, but those are probably the most notable. couple quick questions for you, Tucker. Um, and I've got, a, I've got a listing coming up in Dunthorpe myself. That's more of a comment. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. It's about, it's going to be in the mid million and a half range. Love that area. It's a Should awesome sell quick at a million and a half. That's yeah, cool. I think it will. I think it will. I represented the buyers when they bought it a few years back. And uh, he's transferring. He actually works for OHS. He was a younger guy. He's a radiologist. He just got a job offer from Duke 
um, to go over there to, and work in their hospital. And he's like, he told me, he's like, you just don't say no to Duke when they call. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has a lot raise. of zeros he's, attached to it too. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's in his mid thirties. He's, he's a really successful doctor. Um, but, um, Lake Oswego, Boone's Ferry Road, man, there is a lot going on there. That is that you've that corner of Cruz and Boone's is, I mean, that is going to be like if you if you stepped into a time machine and were there, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and then you come flash forward to five years from now, night and day difference. I mean, that is going to be a an impressive corner. They're putting a big fountain there that that um, I guess that um, retirement center is pretty posh. I mean, that's kind of going to be the place you and I like that's our goal, like do well at <laughs> business and retire to that place. I guess there's like a, pent, a couple penthouses on the top. Isn't there a pool on top too? Have you heard that? I, I any think of that? so. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what, I've seen that waterfall out front and uh, it's going to be pretty impressive as you drive by. There's no question. Yeah. It's going to really add to the lay of the land for, for us guys like you and me who live real close to there and work near close there and, and drive by it every day. Not to mention all the, you know, uh, tens of thousands of other people that are in that area uh, and the real estate in that area. And that's kind of where I'm going with this values. Now they're also starting the Boone's project. Now, isn't that where they're going to put trees down up and down most of Boone's in the middle of the road? Is that kind of what's happening? Do you know? Yeah. So it's, it's very involved. Um, so they're, they've got their staging area that I talked about just before where Renaissance's building is, where they've got all their equipment, but they're basically tearing up the whole road. And then they're going to put it back with bike lanes and a median, and they're going to put in multiple new stoplights as well. Gotcha. Um, so they're, they're basically trying to make it more of a, a downtown walking yeah. type feel. Yeah. And then of course, with that new development that's going on across from the retirement center on the corner of Boone's and Cruz, where they've got like 85 excavators going nonstop over there yeah. right now. That's going to be shopping, restaurant, apartments, yeah. uh, everything. And so you'll have mm. a lot more biking, walking kind of community type feel. But they're going to basically rip up the whole road. And the reason why it took so long is they had to go through a fair bit of eminent domain to widen the road where they bought essentially strips of land from a lot of those businesses that are there. Um, you can see they cut down a bunch of trees uh, earlier this week because they've got to widen the road slightly in order to put a median in also keep two lanes and put bike lanes in as well. So they're, they're basically, you know, if, like you said, if you could get in a time capsule between now and, you know, 12 months, 18 months from now, and you look at that whole area, it's going to look completely different. Completely different. And, and imagine what that does to the values. It's a good time to buy and hold in that area. Boy. Yeah. yeah right around the corner. So uh, <laughs> and it's, it's a good, it's a good time to, uh, it, and to start developing in that area too. There's, uh, um, if there's, there's anything that can be found. Hey, well, I have an interesting there's a Lakeview lot that we own that'll be up for sale very soon. So yeah, you know, if you're interested. Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got an interesting question for you. I'm, I'm curious your take on this because you know, as as real estate guys, and and this is what we do. You know, we're always looking for that next area that's going to kind of be the next upper drive, or you know, and and I think we've we've talked. You know, maybe that could be like a Pilkington area or something where where there's a lot of old homes that could start t t turning. Do you have you ever thought um, that Mountain Park could do that? I guess it could. the The challenge is, is it's so developed already with so many condos. Um, yeah, the condos are kind of a yeah. So component. like it's very dense in in parts. I don't, I don't know the back roads around Mount, Mountain Park probably as well as you do with like un built land let's call it or larger lots that can i don't be mean that i mean turning homes 
um, uh, homes. Yeah, yeah, there's there's some cool ones on the backside, um, but I'd say you got to get a little separation from those condo communities to really yeah. be, we'll call it, highly desirable. Um, yeah, Harrison. One of the challenges is the Portland schools. Um, a lot of Mountain Park is pulls to Wilson High School instead of Lake Oswego. I think that's a challenge, but but I, it just uh, it. It's always, I mean, you, if you look around Mountain Park, you'll find detached homes in the mid 500s, low yeah. 500s. And they're, and they're kind of that 70s funky looking, you know, darker homes. And I just, I think, but Mountain Park itself is such a cool area. It's so close to what we're talking about. It's so close to what they're developing there on the corner of Cruise. It's five minutes away. It, um, it's an amazing HOA with an amazing rec center and swimming pools with water or with uh, slides. The walking trails feel like Tryon Creek Park. If you ever spend any time walking around in Mountain Park, I just wonder if somewhere in the near future, people are going to start buying those older homes and maybe to live there, maybe to flip. I don't know, but going in and spending some money and turning them into some nice houses. And I think, I don't know, that just feels like there could be an opportunity there. As you look around Lake Oswego, especially that north side where they're doing all these improvements, where are those pockets that could be opportunities in the future? I, well, I I'll tell you right now, I probably shouldn't say this, but right where we're building on Washington Court is going to be. <laughs> uh, there you that, go. Yeah, That's going to be the next one to pop. So here's the challenge, right, with Pilkington and Washington Court. There isn't sewer. In a lot yeah. of that. And, and the city has no plans to extend sewer. So what's going on is that as builders develop these lots, they're gradually extending the sewer uh, in a lot of cases. And so as they extend it, then you can partition bigger lots and build new houses easier. And so it's kind of a slow process. But, you know, like our the house we're building in Washington Court, it has sewer in front of it. But there's only a few streets that actually have sewer there, and the rest of them are without. So it's a little challenging. So once they lay a few more big sewer pipe or, you know, sewer mains up and down some of these streets, that whole area is going to change overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's a little bit of a governor on redevelopment because of the lack of sewer that's in there. There'll be a lot of... Um, remodels that go on but it, it kind of forces remodel versus partitioning and new build in a lot of cases because of the lack of sewer mm -hmm. and and like mountain park you've got good access to north i-5 which is good because you you can you can jump through there over to carmen drive and be on the freeway heading to downtown if you work there if a person works there pretty quickly which is which is one thing that i've always loved and sold hard about north lake oswego like where you and i live is just that proximity to downtown. Um, you get on the south side of the lake, and that can add another 15, 20 minutes to that process. So yeah, you don't you don't think so, but it does because I did live on the other side of Lake Oswego, and I like living in uh, Lake Grove area much better. But uh, before we dive into the, the show, real quick, have you seen the house? And I'm sure some of our listeners maybe the one who owns it, the ones that's being built around the corner from your office at that stop. Site. Yes. Yes, it's a that, very, very nice house, but it's a very, very busy intersection. Yes, yes, that is a monstrosity. It has like a um rv garage it looks yeah. like and i was scratching my head for a while there when they poured foundation and now that's come out of the ground and i can't help but think to myself why in the world would you build that house on that lot but somebody really wanted to i know man i go through i travel through there three times a day sometimes and um that's not only is it a busy intersection but it's a busy four-way stop so there's just a lot going on there it's just a lot of activity but it's a nice looking house man yeah yeah anyway so it, it tells everybody you will know that house doing. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, let's cool. talk market action. What's going on out there? Well, why don't you bring up the numbers and then let's compare and contrast how the numbers feel versus real life with, um, you know, out there in your, in the listing trenches right now. 
I mean, it feels pretty good to me, and the numbers conveyed. For the first time in a long time, probably nine months, the numbers, I mean, it's, let me sum it up by saying, May, th th this is straight out of RMLS's market action report, Portland Metro summary. May brought sunny numbers to real estate activity in the Portland Metro area. I mean, that says it all right there. They were the, for the first time in a while, the numbers were good. We had um, closed sales increased, um, let's see, 5.9% uh, year over year. Year over year is what I really focus on. I mean, it always is going to be better than April, right? May of 19 was way better than April of 19, but that's because May is a better month. But when you compare May of 19 to May of 18, we're up 5.9%. Do you remember the shows we've had, Tucker, where we were like, whoa, we've got a real estate recession. We're down 20% year over year. This is the first time in a while where we're not only not significantly down, but we're actually a little bit up. That's huge. That's huge for um, the market. And um, we also had pending sales rose. So May of this year, pending sales were up 2.8% from May of 18. And by the way, May of 18 was, wasn't bad, remember? Where things got weird last year was summer into the end of the year. So May of last year, we felt like things were still pretty, pretty decent, right? We weren't, we weren't going, whoa, what's going on yet? So here we are comparing you know, a month or ago or so. Yeah, a month ago, because it's still June as of today. Um, a month or so ago, um, we're comparing to over, to a year ago and um, before things got weird, and it's better. So that's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, you know, I mean, the, the, this market, it's, it's, it's hard to predict things. I would, I would probably say, and this is kind of one word I wrote down, Tucker, I'll even show it to you. Can you read, can you read my paper? Uh, I can see the month's inventory, but you're going to have to slide it over for me to see the word. Ah, soft landing. Yeah. That was everybody's <laughs> favorite term 12 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess what, what my take on this and, and, you know, we haven't experienced this in, in our careers. Have you ever had a, seen a soft landing in real estate, Tucker? I mean, well, we were Not supposed to have one in 2008, remember? But, uh. <laughs> I mean, you, you and I got in real estate in 2003. We saw the run-up. Then we saw something very, very different than a soft landing. More like a crash into a mountain, I think is what we've called it in the past. And then we kind of saw that come back around. And then we saw a really strong market again. I guess this is uh, knock on wood, and then hopefully nothing changes dramatically. But it sure feels like we're, we're we're experiencing probably what's pretty close to a soft landing, which is you're seeing robust numbers, um, you're seeing sales increased, you have ebbs and flows, and I think that's an important part of a soft landing. I mean, you you can't expect um, that the market is just going to be flat forever. I think I think we're going to have. I mean, we had a uh, six months of of a real anemic market late last year, but then it came back around. Um, and now we're having some pretty good times and I bet we'll have another anemic market, but in the near future, but hopefully it's not for three, four, five years. Hopefully it's six months or a year or four months. Um, and, and the other reason I say it's a soft landing is we're not increasing in values anymore. This is huge. This, this all has happened in the last two months in the last two months. For the first time in seven years, 
we are seeing flat year over year appreciation or or virtually flat um from may of 19 to may may of 18 we went up 0.9% not even 1% um in sales price so that feels to me like a soft landing where your prices are staying the same uh, you know in across the board yet you're having some pretty good sales you're having you, you know you're having properties move so um that kind of feels to me like maybe it's a balanced market of sorts um i feel pretty good about it how about you tucker well i'm just looking at the numbers from this year um just to kind of compare and contrast for our listeners when we started this year doing shows which would be january <laughs> we had 3.3 months of inventory now we're down to 2.1 so when we started we were like oh my goodness we just came off a of kind of a rocky you know we'll call it a few winter months there um november october november december it was it was questionable right as far oh, yeah. as its direction we we're gonna go then the fed decided to start buying up mortgage-backed securities again and that kind of pushed bond prices down or you know ultimately real estate or um rates down or stabilized them and then now they've been kind of falling a little bit and with that you know inventory has started to decline as well and i don't know that we're going to stay at 2.1 i you know i've seen fair bit go on the market but we're definitely absorbing um and like you said prices have stayed flat um you know last time this happened it, we crashed into a mountain prices didn't stay flat <laughs> mm -hmm. they dropped off a cliff right so I think that that's a big victory in itself that we've been able to remain fairly normal in terms of market conditions and have flat pricing because um, that is not what was accomplished last time. Uh, it's mm -hmm. what the Fed said they were trying to accomplish last time, but it, it just couldn't be done due to all kinds of crazy factors. This time around, you know, like we've mentioned many a times, all these loans that are being done are done they're full doc loans, right? With mm -hmm. real down payments and real income. And so it's it's hard for people to, um, you know, default on stuff like that, that uh, they're not, you know, qualifying off make-believe jobs and make-believe money, right? So mm -hmm. I think that this, I think we're in a good spot. I, I will ask you this though, because I keep tabs on all the areas that we're doing projects in, and there seems to be a very big difference between like an A plus product and a B product, but there's a fair bit of people that are pricing B products at A, A plus level. And that seems to be what's sitting. I know it's kind of a simple analogy, but yeah. I see stuff sitting. And then like, for example, there was a house that went on the market last week uh, next to one of the projects that we're doing. And it went on at 478 and it went pending in like two days. And there's a couple houses around there that are listed for less. They're a little bit bigger, but they're just dated and they're just kind of lived in and whatnot. And they're not selling, even though they're cheaper and a little bigger. So the turnkey A plus product is getting a premium where the B product that's lived in and whatever, it's not quite getting a premium. So the market's not, I won't say punishing it, but there's definitely a difference between those two markets. Turnkey and new is getting a premium where lived in and kind of a little bit beat up, but we'll just say lived in is definitely not getting a premium right now. Mm -hmm. um, are you seeing the same thing with your listings and your what you're seeing so. out there? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think we've talked about this on the show. I mean, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? When you're in a hot market, everybody, everything benefits because the, the premiums, are going so fast that people are quick to settle for the non-premiums, right? They're like, oh, I just got my butt kicked on. It's the fourth offer I've lost out on. Oh, that one looks like it's available. Hurry, make an offer on it. Oh, there's probably gonna be multiple offers. Let's go full ask or let's go, you know. And when you see more of a soft landing type situation, A is still happening, but not at the ferocity. I don't know if 
if I, that's a word, but at the at the at the quite the same level. Um, so B doesn't have that that momentum behind it um, quite to the same extent. Yeah, I think that's a real fair and accurate statement. Absolutely, because it's something I, I have we question. have to. Yeah, go for it. I have a question for you. Do you think we're going to see prices go down soon? I don't think so. I think um, now the data might be skewed, though, because there's going to be a lot of listings that reduce price, right? Because there's a lot of B product priced at A prices. And so people are going to reduce those down. And some people might take that as, oh, my God, we're in a you know declining market or you know just because expectations weren't met in terms of price. Do I think real prices are going to go down? Not really, but... There are also listings that sold, let's say, a year ago that I've noticed that people have put back on the market and they're not getting, they're going to lose a few bucks on it, right? After paying commissions and everything else, maybe more than a few bucks because they got swept up in the, I've got to make an offer, I've got to buy this thing um, frenzy that kind of happened. And now the market's gotten a little smarter. It's a little savvier. It's looking at all of the negatives and factoring that into price where maybe it didn't a year, year and a half ago, let's call it. So there's some, I think, that maybe might deflate slightly because they got caught up in that, you know, I need to write this full price offer versus kind of weigh the pros and cons. But I think on the average, I don't think we're going to see a declining market. I think, you know, the numbers saying that we're flat is about what we're going to see most of the time. Sure. And 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 I don't disagree with you. It's not going to crater, but I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it go down a, a couple ticks, you know, percent, two, three and I don't think that's a big deal um, other than maybe possible perception from buyers that could hurt the market a little bit. I don't, we've seen it in other markets. That's the, one of the reasons why I ask, I think San Francisco has seen a little bit of a, um, and, and we've seen it flattening. We've, we've seen it go from 12% appreciation year over year to 11 to 10 to seven to six to three to two to one. So if you're going to see it go backwards, it, it would be, you know, around now. That's the the, the general direction. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. I don't think it will be a monumental amount, and um, and I don't think it'll be a terrible thing if it goes down a percent or two, as long as buyer perception doesn't change with it, which doesn't seem to be happening. I think maybe that could maybe that could help buyers who who feel like you know maybe they pumped the brakes and felt they were priced out of the market and then they see that and they go, okay, you know, now it's a little bit more normal and sane out there. Yeah. I think maybe just a certain segment <clears throat> of the market, kind of like I talked about, you know, like, or I said already is that I think there, there's certain product that might decrease a little bit or not sell for as much as it, what did before. I still think that a plus product, I, I just think it's pretty insulated from any downward, mm -hmm. you know, movement, maybe flatline, but, it just there's only so much of that product out there and it's it's getting a premium i think it'll continue to get a premium anything that has some functional obsolescence or just weird stuff going on with it or you know just is an a plus product i think that's kind of the at risk category we'll call it that that you mentioned yeah you've said it before and i i've i've often quoted you since then um you talk about how you know when a market slows down homes on a busy road slow down that much more you you even gave some specific um, percentages, but it's a it's it's something I believe too. You, when you know when when the when the mark the housing market you know sneezes, homes on a busy road or with fun functional obsolescence or you know less desirability, they get the flu, right? They they really get hit hard. So cool. Well, let's talk about some Salem craziness. <laughs> we've got we've got senators that are 
cruising out of the state, giving the governor the finger and police chasing <laughs> him on the way out the door. So. <laughs> so, yeah, the main reason we were talking about it, too, isn't because, you know, we want to get into some political debate about cap and trade, which is the reason they're doing that. I think what we started to talk about was this new bill that's out there. What is it? Is it 2000? What did I tell you? It was bill 2001. 2001. Yeah, that is I've been hearing about it on the radio. I, I, I listen to NPR quite a bit when I'm driving around and it's about building duplexes and triplexes. It was it fourplexes, too, or did it just stop yeah, at triplex? Fourplexes as well. Um, so basically, it's about creating, we'll call it in-between housing, right? There's a lot of the headlines are like finding the missing middle housing, which the only way to create, quote unquote, affordable housing is to build attached housing. So that's why uh, either that or small cottages. So it's really about creating either attached housing or small cottage type communities. Yeah. And, um, and so what it's basically saying up until now you you know you live on you live on a, over on near upper drive in lake oswego up until now if the type of houses that could be built around you tucker were dictated by lake oswego they said hey in this area we only want single family homes here's kind of the parameters this is on a state level coming out with legislation that overrides all the cities and municipalities and basically says that now if you can buy the lot next to Tucker and and I don't and the devil's in the details. I don't know all the details and maybe you know more than I do. You can now basically go in and go, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put a duplex next to Tucker um because that will allow two families to live there instead of one and it's probably going to be more affordable housing, which duplexes would be over a single family home." Um it's kind of a big deal. I mean, it's a big big change in real estate and and from what i've been hearing there's a there obviously there's always two sides to every argument and by the way it passed the house right it's now up to the senate and the senate by the way is not around they're so, driving so that's where state lines uh you know smoking the bandit style so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that's where the craziness of what's going on in salem comes into play is this bill had passed the House and was go moving into the Senate, and then all of a sudden the cap and trade thing sent the senators on the on the lamb. So um, I guess this is kind of which which I guess is kind of a big deal. There's there's a method to their madness. The the little bit I've been paying attention, and I shouldn't say it's a little bit, but I mean I'm I definitely am I don't claim to be in the middle of Oregon politics, but I watch the news and I kind of pay attention. From what I understand, if if the senators that have left the state, if they stay out of the state for a certain amount of time, the legislative session ends and everything has to be redone somehow. And I guess that would include this bill. So it kind of makes that interesting as it pertains to this bill. Um, but also from what I was hearing was in addition to guys like probably you and me, Tucker, who are like, uh, I'm not sure if I want a duplex next door to me and a lot of other people, I'm hearing that a lot of the municipalities don't like this. A lot of the the city leaders are going, whoa, 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 hey, stay out of our kitchen. This is our city. Let us come up with our our rules. You guys go back to Salem and make rules for other areas, right? Um, I mean, I would imagine. I, I can tell you what the the city of Lake Oswego has done a lot of social engineering with their uh, restrictions and rules, and so 
this does give it says gives jurisdictions until December thirty first, twenty twenty, to design a code unique to their community to allow for these housing types and single family zones. So, like you said, the devil is in the details. I think you know there's always a workaround to something, and I I think that they'll require you know certain floor area ratios, certain setback requirements, certain things. You can socially engineer things to be very difficult to get done, right? Possible is one thing. Doable is another, right? And so I think a lot of these cities, now they have to spend money, right, to create this new code to either combat what Salem is saying you need to do um, or embrace it, uh, depending on which city it is. And so it'll be interesting to see which cities combat it and which cities embrace it. Um, It'll also be interesting to see how this creates an influx of in-between housing, we'll call it, right? And what that then does to the the markets that they're being built in. I, I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of speculation done on this. There's going to be a lot of people jumping in, trying to buy and build stuff like this. And then there'll probably be a fair bit of like triplexes and fourplexes that go up for sale um, because people are going in and specking these things and then building them out and selling them. Uh, because of it, but it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm curious what a statewide bill like this actually does to the real estate market itself beyond just what it is that's being created. It, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And 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 part of the reason it's getting some pushback, and I don't think this is incorrect, is what you're doing is you're forcing rentals within you know nice neighborhoods where maybe that wasn't kind of always it, it wasn't always the case right i mean and 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 let's be clear i mean i don't think it's a secret that renters just don't take care of stuff as nice as owners i mean that's 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 a fact so i it it kind of it threatens a little bit of the um some of the 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 the, the happy feel good feel of some some municipalities where they they fought hard to keep things at a high level. One of my other questions, Tucker, and I don't know if you know the answer. I mean, how could an HOA deal with this? Could an HOA have let rules that say, Hey, if this house is bought and torn down, you cannot put a duplex. I mean, that's, those are some other questions I have or, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I will say this, I mean, the math still has to work, right? I mean, people aren't just going to go through the process of building something for fun. I can tell you that because it, <laughs> it's far from fun most days, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're, but you also have to make a pencil. And so I guess the way I look at it is that there has to be a piece of property that has a house or no house. But if it has a house on it existing, it has to be in such bad shape that it makes sense to tear it down and build multiple units. Now, the more units you can build, the more valuable that end building can be based on rent rolls, but it also is more expensive as you build a bigger building. So I, I don't know. I think people will start to look at this, number one, and they're going to want to find crappy old houses on lots that you know you can basically build a duplex on where you would build a single family otherwise. Um, that's going to be where it starts. But then being able to do like fourplexes and little cottage communities, which I think cottage communities are not a bad thing. They, they call them cottage clusters. Um, there's, you know, I know developers that are doing those up in Seattle and uh, there's definitely high demand for that, especially with the older demographic um, that want just a small, basically a condo alternative, right? Um, that's a detached house. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. This is, there's, this is like such a broad stroke of policy that it leaves a lot to be 
figured out <laughs> along the way, really. And uh, there might be some unintended consequences and there might be some, uh, you know, people that hate their new neighbors that are trying to put in, you know, plexes where there wasn't before. But uh, I don't know. This one's kind of I don't know what to expect, to be honest, other than the fact that I know there will be more units that are put to market eventually. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something else going on in Salem, Tucker. And um, again, this isn't, you know, this isn't a political podcast. It's a real estate podcast. But I wonder if what what is happening with that cap and trade is going to affect real estate. Because um, here's, here's, I mean, Oregon is getting really, really aggressive with a lot of legislation that's really tr- progressive and and really forward, if you will. Um, and I just wonder if we're going to scare people away from Oregon. Um, I know California has passed something. And and for those who aren't familiar, I mean, from what I understand about the cap and trade, and I don't know, I don't know if it's going to pass or not. I don't know if what's going to happen. The, 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 the high level that I'm hearing is basically the state is saying, hey, we're going to come in and basically tax some on some level emissions, which hits everybody with gas prices. And I think they ratchet up at some point. It also affects businesses. Um, and you know, the, and I, and by the way, I, I believe global in global warming. I think it's happening. I think we, we see evidence of it. So I'm all for, you know, change what can be done to change that. But I, I, I guess what some of the argument against it is like, can one state take it for the team and on their own incur all this pain on their people yet make a huge difference globally. And, um, and that's, and, and you want me to answer that question? (laughs) (laughs) California has started it. And, and that's, that's good. I'm glad we're not ahead of California, but then we benefit from a lot of the people fleeing California. Is that going to change? Right. And, and by the way, again, this is a real estate podcast. It's about real estate. It's, 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 Got a guy who sells real estate and a guy who builds real estate, right? We benefit when Californians move here. Let's be clear. In fact, my running joke for years has been like a Californian buyer will be on the phone. They're like, they'll be like, okay, so we're from California. We're not supposed to say that, right? People in Oregon don't like us. And I was like, hey, I'm in real estate. We love you. <laughs> but, um, but, but so for those Californians, are they going to start looking at other states and going, you know what? You know, maybe Oregon has less people than us but they've lost their damn minds along with, with the Californians and they've made all these rules about real estate and now, you know, legislation and cap and trade and landlord laws. Maybe we're better off to go to Washington or maybe even, maybe we go in the United States, maybe go to Idaho or somewhere where they're a little bit more conservative and, and, you know, not trying to, you know, solve all the world's problems on their own and, and, and in the process, hurt, you know, taxing their people and, and causing, you know, situations like that. What's your take on that, Tucker? I think our government needs to remember that it rains nine months a year here. We, we need to make <laughs> it as desirable as possible for people to actually live here. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I think uh, we lose track of that. I, you know, I was looking at numbers. I forget what the, exactly they were, but there was... Um, uh, numbers put to the decrease in, um, we'll call it multifamily investing uh, since the beginning of the year. And I think we were down 40% since the new um, statewide um, uh, rent control rent laws control. have been passed. So 
there's definitely cause and effect there. There'll be cause and effect with this one. I did find it interesting that um, they had Timber Joey on the news. He was uh, against this as well, uh, going down to Salem, which one might, I guess, uh, suspect that he would be against it based on the fact that he's a logger. But they had him on the news. And, and the news has actually been interesting in this case because generally the news is you know, a little bit more liberal in nature. Although I would say in this particular case, they're kind of rallying against our governor a little bit. Um, you know, it, rarely do you see that uh, with the news stations here, especially in Oregon. Um, but, you know, maybe there's something to be said there. I do hope this thing just goes to vote with the people. Uh, I, honestly, that that's my thing. You know, if if the people as a collective group want to vote this thing in and, you know, take the consequences of it, then so be it. That's where we live. But I think that's where it needs to go. But on a real estate level, this could be really bad for smaller towns um, that yeah. make them not competitive in a much larger world. Uh, you know, it's going to make some ghost towns out there. And that then affects real estate prices, right? If people flee towns because there's not jobs and as much employment, guess what happens to the prices in those areas, right? It, they start to get depressed. So, yeah. um, you know, there is a trickle down effect here. And I, I think that that needs to be recognized, at least on this show, because it's a real estate related show. And I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. This is definitely the craziest thing I've seen out of Salem in a while. Um, you know, Kit Sauber was an interesting guy and he had some scandals, but this is kind of more of a, you know, affects everybody kind of scandal or not scandal, but just issue. We'll yeah. Call. And no, I, and I think especially on border towns, Tucker, like, I mean, and by the way, Portland's a border town. <laughs> We're right on the border of Washington. Um, you, I wonder if you could see businesses, and, and there's a lot of other border towns, right? Brookings and the California border. You've got ones on the Idaho border. I, you know, I wonder if there's trucking companies in some of those towns that, are, that would just go, screw you guys. My headquarters is now over there, you know? Um, and that would be really bad for the state. <clears throat> so, well, I'll leave you with this quote <laughs> that I often say. Maybe you quote, I don't know. Maybe you've heard me say it before. But it's uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> it sure is. It sure, sure is. Yep. So there we go. So anyway, that's what we know about House Bill 201. That's what we know about all the crazy stuff going on down in Salem. And, um, of course, that's what uh, we feel is going on with the market right now, which is all good, really. Did you hear that guy? We didn't talk about this yet. Did you hear that, that um, congressman from Dallas, what he said? No the one who said... If you bring the, this was right before um, uh, Governor Brown said, actually summoned the state police. He goes, if you guys send the state police, you bet they better come armed and they better be bachelors. Did you hear that? He, that <laughs> I did know that you bring it up. Absolute yeah. quote from a guy from Dallas, Oregon. That that would be what they call throwing gasoline on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That It'll was when be. I was like, okay, this is starting to get interesting. What is going on? Well, we'll give everybody an update out there on how this actually affects House Bill uh, 2011 uh, as we kind of move forward here. But uh, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks or I guess remainder of this week until uh, they go on vacation or whatever they call it. So end of the legislation, legislative session, I believe. Is yeah. The proper nomenclature. But uh, yep. anyway. Sure. All right. Well, this is episode 98. Anything uh, before we go? No, nope. I think we said it all. All right. Well, we will see you guys on episode 99, and we'll have a big one planned for number 100. See you guys on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.